Times Like Now is an interview program. Interviews with interesting people that are doing cool stuff. My name is Trevor Collins, and on today's episode, I'm speaking with friends of Celilo Falls, Sean Cruz and Arlen Stwyer from Friends of Celilo Falls. On this episode of Times Like Now. Hello, Arlen and Sean. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. And uh, Arlen, your involvement with Celilo Falls, tell me a little bit about your personal history with Celilo Falls. We are the Salmon people, the oldest inhabited village in the northern continent. In the 1950s, the federal government constructed several dams on the Mid-Columbia, abrogating its Treaty of 1855 obligations and ignored the sovereign status of the Salila Wayampam, the Umatilla, the Yakima, my tribe, the Confederate Tribes of Warm Springs, and the Nez Perce. We call the river Inchawana. That means big river. We don't agree with the name Columbia River. We call it Inchawama. And our oral history in, involves longhouse songs. It includes accounts of the great floods that inundated the Inchawana 12,000 years ago. If you can picture 16 million adult salmon returning through the jaws of the Columbia River. My father is a treaty fisherman. And believe me, today's salmon runs are a mere shadow of what they once were. It was a great wonder of the world. I have learned about how our people traded along the river. I have learned about how my people fished and there were sites and names of each area the families were fishing at. Today, we still carry those names. Our ancestors, along called Shushkushpa, it's along the city of the Dalles. Here, they traded fresh salmon, dried salmon, camas roots, huckleberries, baskets, clothing, shaptakai, a rawhide suitcase, beadwork, and other fine crafts. I learned that our people were very wealthy in that day in time and resources, and the women worked alongside the men. This is what I learned growing up as a child. Thank you. Now, Sean, your involvement with Celilo Falls, you are the, uh, I know you are the executive director of the Jim Pepper uh, organization. Tell me a little bit about how you how you got involved with Celilo and with uh, Arlen uh, regarding the Friends of Celilo. I'd love to. There's a train going by. Can you hear it? I can hear you just okay, fine. Okay, good. Okay. Um, uh, in 2007, I was serving as <laughs> Oregon State Senator Abel Gordley's legislative staff. And that year was the 50-year anniversary of the day they flooded the Salilo Falls, and uh, delegations from the the Columbia River Treaty Tribes and Salilo Village uh, came to the capital to meet with Senator Gordley and ask her to sponsor uh, the two Salilo bills, uh, Senate Resolution mourning the flooding 
of the falls and the, the loss to the Wyom people. And, uh, and then a, a resolution to Congress, urging Congress to, uh, at last, 50 years after they made promises to replace the housing that they bulldozed uh, with no intention to actually build those houses, but 50 years later to actually uh, provide the funding to have those houses built. And that was in 2007. And I was in those meetings uh, when the tribal members talked about the losses that they suffered. And, uh, and uh, they told us the history of the falls and the people and the salmon. And uh, they said that the falls were not flooded for hydropower. It's the, the dam at the Dells flooded the falls, but it's not the hydropower uh, that keeps the falls flooded. It's for, they, they flooded them for two other reasons. Uh, one is for barging, navigation to get past the falls, past the rapids. And the other was an attempt to force the Indians to abandon Slywell Village. And the other housing that was on both sides of the river that was, uh, that was tribal. Mm -hmm. And uh, they weren't successful in forcing the Indians to abandon the village. And that makes Slilo the, continue, uh, the oldest continuously inhabited settlement in North America. It goes back some 12,000 years, carbon dated at that site. There's no other place like it in North America. Exactly. The, uh, in fact, Lewis and Clark expedition wrote about uh, traveling through that area and being able to hear Celilo Falls from miles away. In fact, Celilo is uh -huh. uh, or was uh, larger falls than Niagara. Is that right? Uh, yeah, by volume, uh, Niagara has an average annual uh, flow of 85,000 cubic feet a second. And Celilo was 190,000 cubic feet a second. Right. So on March 10th, 1957, the Army Corps of Engineers enact, in essence, turned off the water and got rid of the Celilo Falls, flooded those falls. And they've been underwater ever since now for 65 years. And your organizations, the, the two organizations, that's yourself and uh, Friends of Celilo Falls, having a little bit of a uh, commemorative reunion uh, to mark the day. That's coming up very soon. Tell me, tell me when and where. Um, Arlen, you can tell me that. Yes, uh, March 10th, 2022, at the Blue Lake Park over in, uh, what's the name of that town, Sean? Uh, Fairview. Fairview. Fairview, Oregon, which is uh, close to Portland. And we, we see this as 65 years of silence of the river. And so we will commemorate that with a celebration of gathering of the river people to have both our, our ancient culture, also our veterans, our tribal leaders, uh, other dignitaries that choose to be with us, uh, salmon bake, uh, moose and deer stew, 
and uh, Horse Parade. It's, it's going to be a, a wonderful uh, remembrance of our Celilo Falls. And that is March 10th. That's Thursday, March 10th. And Correct. that will start in... It start at 9, 9 in the morning is when the horse parade will start. The veterans will post the colors. The veterans will also close the ceremony at the end of the day at approximately 4, 4.30 p.m. And so um, we are looking forward to being together uh, all the way to uh, northern Washington, the Colville tribes, to Idaho, the Nez Perce, to Eastern Oregon, the Umatilla, to Yakima, Washington, and Warm Springs, Celilo people too. Arlen, how did you get involved with Celilo Falls, with the Friends of Celilo Falls? How did this organization get uh, to become a thing? Uh, Sean was very active with the music industry, with the Jim Pepper Foundation that he was developing and he was doing festivals and I attended as an artist as a beadwork master beadwork artist and as a dancer and I enjoyed it and he always wanted me to be on the board of directors and I said well Sean I'm an artist and I I know how to raise money for arts but festivals is a different animal and if you would change your direction with your foundation, then I will join you. And so a few years ago, he did change the direction, although I have been involved since day one uh, as an artist, but not on the board of directors until maybe four years ago. Uh, I serve as vice chairwoman and, and work with the board of directors, which we're doing some fabulous projects around music and culture and uh, history. Okay, Arlen, uh, could you tell me a little bit, in your words, what you would like to see this organization uh, become and what you would like to see become of the falls? What are some of the forecasts or uh, wishes that your organization would like to see happen at Celilo Falls and in that area? We are going to have that conversation with each of the nations that I had described earlier, and and we would have to work together and I believe the timing is right with the Biden administration and those tribal leaders that he has appointed to top levels at the Department of the Interior with Deb Holland, at the National Parks with Charles Chuck Sands, and at the Army Corps of Engineers, ironically, uh, Jamie Pinkham, a Nez Perce tribal member. And, and so uh, we see some possibilities of, of more education and uh, doing some of the, the frontline work on letting people know from young to old about uh, the possibilities that we could have on um, our mighty Celilo Falls. And so uh, right now at Celilo, it's a tiny village and, and What's roaring down there is the railroad tracks, not the falls. And so we want to bring back our salmon culture that uh, the, the, we have oral histories that t- tell us about how the salmon 
are there to take care of us for the rest of our life. Well, as the salmon are dwindling, it makes us feel like we are dwindling also. And the sign of the times today is, has been um, a ferocious factor with the COVID pandemic and with the loss of our elders, loss of our language. And, and so it, it all is um, uh, holistic to, to us from, from our food, to our health, to our mind, to our spirituality, to our culture. It, it's something that um, ingra ingrained in our teaching about our way of life on why it's important that we have to take care of the habitat and restore the health of our salmon. And I know the different reservations have um, specialized circumstances. The Yakimas are dealing with radiation factors from Hanford, for example, that that's a continuous problem. And in, in where I live, it, it's um, the fact that the salmon population are dwindling and and so there there's less food and and that's what we, we it's our sacred source to our people now what now wouldn't uh what is there any possibilities because i know that entire area is historic to the tribes not just the falls but all up and down the river on both sides is there any chances of that Celilo Lake, the the water that is behind the dam there, uh, so that this falls could be returned one day. Is there a chance of this? Uh, I guess it was a political and a legislative issue, but is there any chances of something like that ever happening again? And maybe seeing those dynamic falls once more. There's absolutely a chance of that happening, uh, but there's only. <clears throat> one way that it can possibly happen and, and uh, have the support of the river tribes and the, the Wyampa. And, and that's if, if uh, they're in charge of it. <laughs> that's, they have to have the last say. And the whole region there, the archaeological site, that all has to be protected. And uh, the village reunited with the riverbank again and that means that 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 would mean uh, a double track of rail and i-84 and then another rail line that separate the village from the falls now that would have to be removed relocated so it's a big multi-billion dollar project in order to do that but uh fundamentally uh the way that the Columbia River is being used today is very detrimental to the fish, not only for the dams uh, as obstacles, but the water moves too slowly and it gets too warm. And that is with global warming, climate change, that is ever more of a problem. If the water gets to a certain temperature, the salmon will die. And the reason that the water flows at the rate it does uh, is really for barging and no other reason. And uh, uh, there's just going to have to be change where water is allowed to flow uh, and uh, 
barging and Salilo Falls cannot coexist. There's very little barging going on on that portion of the river. Isn't that true? Yeah. Not, not very much. There's an average of three barge tows a day on the whole river, uh, up, up river from the Bonneville Dam. Uh, and and that, that's all the way up uh, into Idaho. There's only an average of three barge tows a day that travel through the locks. And that includes, uh, and that's both directions and uh, includes empties. And 80% of the barges going upriver are empty. And when there's discussion about barging and uh, the uh, economics of barging, they always want to talk about the value of uh, products grown on those giant corporate farms uh, that's exported. It comes down the river. They want to talk about those billions of dollars. But they never want to talk about what goes upriver, which is also a cost to the public. 80% of the barges going upriver are empty. And what's in the other 20%? Garbage going to Arling Arlington Landfill, gasoline, uh, fertilizer for those giant farms, and uh, nuclear waste going to Hanford. That's what's going upriver. It was about eight years ago that uh, public funds cost $50 million to restore the locks for the That's barges. Right. We paid for that. The public, we paid for that, $50 million. And they have a lifespan of, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years. They have to keep replacing them. Is your organization working or speaking with any of the state legislation to at least look at this sort of project? Well, we have the Friends of Salilo Falls on Facebook, uh, but the organization is, uh, uh, we've we, we mainly just been focusing on keeping the story alive uh, on our Facebook and waiting for the right time to, to organize and to educate the public and policymakers. And uh, uh, during the Trump administration, there was just no time to, there was just no good time to talk about it. It was better not to talk about it. But now with Biden in office, and uh, as Arlen mentioned earlier, uh, Deb Halen is Secretary of the Interior, Chuck Sams, National Parks Director, uh, Jamie Pinkham, and the Corps of Engineers, and, and other Native people, and, and non-Native people with a heart for Celilo, uh are in high places now. And uh, gee, uh, Joe Biden wants to build infrastructure, and we have a multi-billion dollar project right here for the east end of the Columbia Gorge. And we're hoping they're going to look at that. It certainly would uh, change the face of the area if that sort of thing were to happen, if the, if the barges were to, to find another way to move goods up that river or up the area, maybe in plains or whatnot, other ways to allow the river to return to, uh, to what it once was. Yeah. Now, again, uh, your event happening on March 10th, that's Thursday, at Blue Lake Park. Yes. Uh, who are some of the, will there be speakers as well as entertainment? Yes. And and there's no admission charge. There is a, it's a metro uh, park, and uh, they have a 
$5 parking fee. Uh, we don't know if that's going to be waived, but there's no admission charge uh, for our event. March 10th is exactly the 65th anniversary. It happens on a Thursday, and we will start our events at 9 a.m. with a traditional horse parade with a color guard of, of all the veterans. And uh, believe me, they were so excited about Chuck Sam's. And unfortunately, something about the travel um, was denied by the administration. And so we were unable to get Chuck. Chuck just so happens to be a retired Navy special intelligence officer. And the, the, the veterans are numerous. There's over 100 on the Yakima Reservation. And they were looking forward to coming and standing up in support when he spoke as the key um, key, key person that we, we had lined up at the time. And so we just have to flow along with whatever politics comes up. And uh, we're getting a tremendous response, over 175 hits on some comments I made on Facebook. And that made our, our event move from one park to another park to the third park to to accommodate all the traffic. Yes, it's been 65 years that um, we have not had the, any kind of events to get together as the river tribes. And at, at this moment, we'll have the audience of the city of Port, the city of Portland, the Metro Council, our, our major sponsors, and under uh, their guidance and their sponsorship of, of partial funding and, and the river tribes, um, we, we decided that Blue Lake Park was probably going to uh, best serve the needs of the elders, of the handicapped, of the horse trailers for the horse parade we're going to have, uh, possibly canoe trailers. We're not sure yet. Uh, with this COVID, it's been a major impact on our uh, cultural activities and continuation of events. Uh, for example, we haven't used our canoes in two years. And if we're not using our canoes, we're not keeping up with basic insurance and such. And so uh, these things happened upon us, and we, we just uh, were very pleased to get the um, support from the city of Portland and the metro. And we're intentionally going to have all of the speakers show up in the afternoon after the um, non-Native leaders arrive from their meetings to listen to the, those historical and also the more technological impacts of our people with the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. Uh, the director, Asia Dakota, is the first time we had a female executive director and uh, she's graduated from, I believe, Cornell University. She's Yakima. And so I asked her if she would uh, make her, her speech more in line with the technology technology of today and the other speakers will be uh, more of a historical balance and what have you. Wonderful. Very excited for you and for your organization for this. I wish I was able to to make it to the event. 
on that day. Sean, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, just in the last couple of minutes that we have here about your organization, the Jim Pepper Native Arts Council. You are the executive director of this. Tell me, what does this organization do? And tell me a little bit about Jim Pepper. Who was he? Uh, Jim Pepper was a member of the Kaw and Muscogee Creek Nations. There was He was born in Salem, Oregon, and uh, he passed from uh, lymphoma uh, 30 years ago this year. So we're, we're remembering Jim, uh, who walked on 30 years ago this year, and it's our 10th year of uh, celebrating his legacy. And, uh, and tell me, who... who- what, uh, he was a musician, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, tenor saxophone, mainly. Tenor and, and soprano saxophones. And uh, he's the only organ musician whose instrument is in a glass case in the Smithsonian Museum. And that's the National Museum of the American Indian in Washington, D.C. And uh, yet he's far better known away from Oregon than he is in his own home state and his own hometown. But our mission is uh, we're actually an educational organization. Uh, our mission isn't to, to produce festivals. Our, our mission is to improve access to culturally relevant music education for Native American students in Jim Pepper's name and reflecting the educational legacy of his mother, Floyd Pepper, who is credited with being the principal writer of the state's uh, uh, Native American curriculum for middle and high school and, uh, and, and, and other remarkable achievements. And uh, we are, uh, we've hired a team of five uh, educators headquartered in Southern Oregon University to actually uh, develop the actual curriculum and, uh, and, and we'll be rolling some of that out in the fall. Excellent. Really looking forward to, I'm going to do some research on that. And I'm going to play some of the Jim Pepper's music that you recommended as we, uh, as we fade out here. And once again, Friends of Celilo Falls can be found on Facebook. I'm sure uh, more things will be happening as we move forward in this current legislation. And best of luck to you, to your organizations, and to the return, the eventual one-day return of Celilo Falls. I would personally very much like to see that. A lot of the people that that will be speaking are going to be uh, having lifetime experiences. And our keynote speaker is Elizabeth Woody. She was the Oregon Poet Laureate a couple years ago, and she's written seven books, including uh, several statements on on Celilo. And so um, we are going to be including all of the river tribes to to be inclusive on the event. It'll be both uh, traditional and contemporary. And only one portion in the beginning will not be uh, allowed for any photography or recording uh, for maybe one hour. Other than that, it will be wide open to the public. Thank you very much, Sean and uh, Sean Cruz and Arlen Stwyer. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And back at you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Past episodes of Times Like Now 
can be heard wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Trevor Collins, and I can be reached, Trevor, at timeslikenow.com. Original music provided by Jim Pepper. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to speaking with you all next time. Thank you.